Hey, this is Jason Hubbard, and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. All right, let's jump into the Word today. Um, We are a note-taking church, which means that uh, if you have a piece of paper and a pen and your Bible, grab those things to begin to take notes. Uh, If you are a digital person and like to do it on your phone, you can text OLC Notes to 94000. Get that to your phone, and you can fill in some blanks and all that uh, as we jump in today. And I do want to just say a huge good morning to everybody who is joining online. It is so great to have you from wherever you are around the world and the country. Um, You are part of our family, and so thank you for spending this time with us. Everyone in the room, can we do this? Put our hands together for everyone who's joining online today. All right. I am going to try to be uh, decisive with my words and not talk fast so I can get it all in. Here we go. Two different ways to do it. I could just talk fast and get through all my notes, or I could just be careful, be Holy Spirit-led, which is probably the better way to go. We are in a series where we are talking about kingdom culture, kingdom culture. Um, In our world today, uh, it's really, really easy to get sucked into the culture of the world. Everything that the world is about, everything that is important about the world, everything that the, the world throws at, the world's definition of success the world's definition of love, the world's definition of of kindness, all of these things, the world has, sadly, one definition of that. But what we're seeing as we're going through the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus has a very, very different definition, and actually the definition that he designed for it to be. And as we're going through, we're finding how amazing it is to come back to the, the basics of what Jesus actually instructed us to do, to be able to see our world through a kingdom lens and function according to kingdom culture. Uh, This is much harder to do than it is said because everything, and I do mean everything, fights against the kingdom. But I know from my Bible that Jesus said, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Which means that when darkness and the world and the devil, the prince of this earth, as his name, as he runs through the earth and tries to attack the church and tear down the church, and I do believe that one of his techniques that he was trying to do is during COVID, trying to destroy the church in the middle of COVID. As he does that, Jesus says, no, 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 you forget something. I'm building my church. And you forget that hell can't stand against it. And you forget that even his best tactics don't stand a chance. I think it's so powerful, this image. We're seeing it is finished, it is done. And when Jesus died, it says that he went down into Hades, into hell, and he he ripped the keys out. He he got authority over the enemy. And he has authority over the enemy. So because he has authority over the enemy, I kind of like to be on his team, right? And so as I read the Sermon on the Mount, it's not just a sleeper sermon. It's not like nap time, but it is one of these things that I go, that's what I want to be a part of because it's winning. So we're part of this. We're walking through kingdom culture. Last week, we talked about one of the Beatitudes, made it through one. 
And that was a real win. And I was getting ready to process through some of the next one because I really, really, really felt the Holy Spirit say, no, 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 I, I want you to do something different. And so I am. Because <laughs> that's, yes, sir, that's what I do. Especially when the other message wasn't really coming together. And then in one morning, he like drops and you're like, oh, I'm going to do that. That's good. That's a much better idea. We're going to jump right past the Beatitudes to two metaphors that Jesus uses when he talks about us as the church and the believers. And these two metaphors are very simple metaphors, but we're going to see how powerful they are. Matthew 5, and starting in verse 13, says this, You are the salt of the earth. Not will be, not ought to be, are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. It's a little harsh, Jesus. Well, there's a reason for that. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that you may see, they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Two metaphors that, that Jesus uses, and we're going to unpack these, the, the metaphor of, of salt and the metaphor of light. And they're, they're, they seem like two completely separate metaphors, but they actually tie together really, really well. And I want to go through these in the time that we have and bring a, a few thoughts to each of these metaphors that will help us to kind of align more with kingdom culture and live according to the way that Jesus designed us to do. The first metaphor that he talks about is salt. And he talks about how salt really has two purposes as you look into this and dive into this and study behind what Jesus was saying. Salt is to, it seasons and it preserves. It seasons and it preserves. In, in Bible times, when they wanted to preserve meat, they would rub it and coat it in salt that would keep it from rotting. It was a it was a preserving factor that they had. And then we know this too, that salt also brought flavor. Now, salt can bring too much flavor. <laughs> we, we, one of our favorite meals that we have in our home, and we'll pair this with, with pretty much any meal that we have, is roasted broccoli. We really, really like roasted broccoli. My kids will eat it like candy. Well, not like, they'll eat candy like candy, but anyway... <laughs> But they really like broccoli, right? And so we'll do it, and you salt it a little bit at the end. Well, there was one time where um, we got exuberant in our saltiness of the broccoli, and none of us could finish it because it was too salty. <laughs> so <clears throat> it can ruin the taste. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's talking about how these two purposes are what he has designed. He has designed us to be people that go into the world and flavor the world around us with the kingdom of heaven. To not be flavored by the world, but to flavor the world. And he's also caused us, called us to, as we, do in, as we do that and as we flavor the world that is around us, that we actually bring a preserving factor to people's lives. Now, this comes in a couple different ways. One, that when somebody 
It should be that when somebody encounters one of us as believers, their life is better preserved. Their life is strengthened than it was before. But it also is the fact that we, as the salt, as Jesus is calling us to be, we walk in and what we carry is the preserving power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because what we have to offer the world is something that preserves their soul beyond the point of natural death. See, the salt isn't just to flavor and make sure that you have a nice life now. It's to bring a preservation that will last into eternity. This is what Jesus is saying that you are. You are salt. You flavor the world around you. And you carry a preservation that the world needs. So he's saying, be salty. Don't lose that saltiness. Now, because he says that means something. We can lose it. Is this talking about salvation? No. But it is talking about effectiveness and influence in the kingdom and for the kingdom. See, when, when Paul writes that you're to be in the world but not of the world, this is what he's talking about. You, you're, you're to be in the world, but you need to be different than the world. It should be that when people look at us as believers, that there's a, a difference. That, that there should be a marked difference. Well, I just, I'm really trying to get in and, and just trying to really blend so that, that I don't throw anybody off with my religion. And I'm trying to just come in covertly, you know? Coming in under the cover, I'm going to spy for Jesus, you know? Oh my goodness. You know, I'm just, I, I'm building relationships so that I could drop the hammer. That's never worked. What's Jesus calling us to do? To be out there and influence the world around you. I think about back to the time where I worked at the pawn shop. And it was so interesting when you go in, and it's not that you just have to put out this massive, I am a follower of Christ and wore my tunic and my sandals. Like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Believe it or not, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, that the natural way you live will be something that attracts people to Christ. If we live powered by the Holy Spirit, if we live filled with the word of God, and if we've spent time in our prayer closet, gotten on our face and say, God, I'm completely empty without you, and been filled with the power of God and filled with the Holy Spirit, and then go out into our world throughout the week, you naturally will look a little different. You'll naturally act a little bit different. You'll naturally carry a different flavor with you. I would ask this, not in a judgmental way. I'm not at all trying to bring judgment and condemnation. But in your life, if there is not a visible marker of something that is different in you than the world that you are in, I would encourage you to take evaluation of where your life is at, where your relationship with Christ is at, and how the Holy Spirit is able to flow through you. Again, not condemnation, but it's a really easy one for us to be able to say, man, I look a whole lot like my workplace. Maybe I should think about that. Just a thought. I know it's quiet. 
Am I saying that every once in a while you're going to have to say something, act way, a certain way, or do something that's a little out of the norm and may get a little bit of scrutiny and people may not like you and people may look at you sideways? Yeah. <laughs> Yay, you. <laughs> but why? We're part of advancing something. Let us not forget that our primary purpose here on earth is to worship God and to extend the kingdom of God, to push past, to push back darkness, to come against the attack of the enemy on people's lives, to bring the light of Jesus Christ into dark situations. Let us not forget that that is the whole point of why we're here, is to extend that kingdom to a world that desperately needs it. If we get distracted and pulled off of those things, then we lose the whole purpose by which we were made. So, what is the flavor of your life? Ask yourself that. In the, you, I mean, not now. You can write that down and ask yourself later. <laughs> the flavor of the kingdom. I'm going to go through these very quickly. The flavor of the kingdom has three elements. These aren't the only three. These are just three that as I was praying and processing with the Holy Spirit that he spoke to me. So I'm going to share these. The first is this. It's the flavor of the Holy Spirit. The flavor of the Holy Spirit. What do you carry? You carry the flavor of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit purifies us and enables us to be used by God. It allows us to move past pleasantries to function in power. I want to tell you right now that what the world does not need is a bunch of people that the Holy Spirit has just made nice. The world does not need a bunch of nice Christians. The world needs the power of the Holy Spirit, which means, does that mean that sometimes you will stop and you will pray for somebody in the middle of a, of a store that's completely surrounded and everyone's looking at you like, what a weirdo? Yes, because if the power of the Holy Spirit wants to flow through you in the mountain to heal the person that you're praying for, I'm in. If it means that he gives you a word of knowledge that you can have for somebody, that brings life to somebody. And some of this stuff, guys, is like, we look at it and we're like, I don't even know how to do that. And I would feel so insecure. Can I tell you this? Every apostle that you read in the Bible was insecure. Every disciple that Jesus called was insecure. The only thing that gave them the power to be able to actually do anything was the fact that they had the Holy Spirit. Multiple times in the book of Acts, it says that when you stand before kings and when you stand before the rulers, don't worry about what you are going to say because it won't be your words, but it'll be the words of the Lord through, flowing through you. Yeah. Over and over, when Peter and John stood before the council. The council looked at them and in Acts, I believe it's four, but it might be 14. Read the book of Acts. You'll find it in there somewhere. <laughs> it's a good thing to read anyway that they stood before them and it said that the council looked at them and saw that they were uneducated men, but they had been with Jesus. Yeah. I want the testimony of my life and I want the testimony of our lives here at One Life Church to be that when people look, they say there's a bunch of uneducated people that don't have a clue what they're talking about, but, but they've been with Jesus. <laughs> Paul, Peter, Paul's, you know, Paul's a great guy. He's a great guy. Great. Not talking about him. Peter. It's not my fault they all start with P. Peter. 
his shadow would pass and people would get healed. Anybody ever had that happen to them? I think we've got some room to grow. The flavor of the kingdom is powered by the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the really sobering thing. In order to be salt, we have to be salted. Mark 9 says this, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to fall away, it would be better for him if a heavy millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. <laughs> be encouraged. <laughs> and if your hand causes you to fall away, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to fall away, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to fall away, gouge it out. It's better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And people who read the Old Testament say that it's more brutal than the New Testament. I highly doubt that. What, 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 what's, he, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, I'm calling you to live a certain way of living. Now, is there forgiveness? And is there the purification of sins? Absolutely. But we need to remember that we cannot be people who are just okay with leaving things in our life without addressing them. And then he does this, and he switches the term. And I was reading some commentaries because... The rule of contextualization is if a phrase is used in the same block of text in the Bible, it has the same definition, okay? So up until this point, Jesus has spoken about the word fire, which he's talking about the fires of hell. But then in one verse, he switches it. Okay, get this. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt should lose its flavor, how can you season it? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with one another. What's it saying? What, is, what does that mean to be salted with fire? Jesus switches gears and says it's the fire of the Holy Spirit that salts and seasons your life. Ooh, wow, that's cool. The, 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 the fire of the Holy Spirit comes to, to bring this into my life and to, to season my life with the Holy Spirit that then when I go to season other people, it's just an outflow of what the Holy Spirit has done inside of me. And it just pulls out. That's just incredible. It's amazing. Until you stop and think about something for just one iota of a second. Fire burns stuff away. Stuff that shouldn't be there. Fire can be painful. Salt. What do we know about salt? When you have a wound, what do they use to clean it? Saline. Salt water. Salt water cleanses and heals, but it stings. For us, to be salt, 
We have to first understand that the Holy Spirit wants to come and bring a seasoning to our life. And sometimes that means he does the hard work of transformation in our life. That there are things that the Holy Spirit wants to burn and there is salt that he wants to bring that is gonna sting because it addresses old wounds and old mindsets and old ways of thinking and old ways of living. In fact, that, that what I believe about God and I've always been prosperity and so anything that's not good in my life, it can't be God. How can it be God? Because God is only good and he comes with those things to bring salt into those that stings because it's painful when the Holy Spirit works in us sometimes, but it's really, really good because he's growing us into who he wants us to be. This is what Mark is talking about. Jesus says, listen, in order for you to be salt, you have to be okay with me coming and doing a work in your life. And you have to be okay that if there's pain, that if there's, the, there's suffering, that if there's things in life, be okay with it. Why? Remember the shepherd. We're getting through the valley to the meadow. We're getting through this season because I've got this for you. This is hard and this is painful, but look where I'm taking you. This seems like a dead end in the darkest place in your life and you don't know which way to go. This is where we're going though. And the Holy Spirit comes to do a refining and a purifying work in our life so that we can be effective for him in the kingdom. This is what he's called us to do. James 1 says this, consider it great joy Sometimes I read James and I'm like, what was this guy on? <laughs> Consider it great joy, not just joy, not just kind of joy, some joy. Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing, salt. Yeah. You, you with me? You with me this morning? This is by no means anything that is coming from a place of condemnation and judgment. All I want to seed into you today is that there is an effectiveness for the kingdom that God absolutely has for you, and he cares too much about you to leave you where you are. With the wounds of the past and the things of the past, he doesn't want you there because he wants a whole and a, and a complete person empowered by the Holy Spirit who moves forward in confidence in the Holy Spirit, and he cares for you, and that's why he says, hey, come, let me do the work in your life. Let, let me do the work in your life. Is it going to hurt? Sometimes. Is it, is it going to feel good? Sometimes. But let me in and let me do the work. This is where discipleship and small groups are so important because often that's where this happens, is where we're in relationship with other people. And other people go, hey, you, you've, you've kind of got a little bit of a microphone there. You have a little bit of a wound there. I do not. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Sometimes you need the other people of God to come alongside of you and help you in the process of the Holy Spirit working in your life. You guys okay? Yes. Okay. That was number one. <laughs> I 
you know, I told the Lord that I have too much. Okay, what are we doing to allow the Holy Spirit to purify us and grow us? It's worship in this order, in this order. Hear me. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'm being waved down. The time has concluded. (laughs) What are we doing? We worship, spend time in the word, pray, and wait on him. I could teach on each one of those, but I put it in that order for something very specific. Worship is where it begins. We sang today, this is how I fight my battles. It's with worship. You're in a moment where you're wrestling through what God wants to do in your life. Worship. I don't sing. Neither did half the apostles. I don't think that if you heard Peter and John or Paul and Silas, see, now I'm getting them all confused. There are people in the Bible Paul and Silas, I don't think when you heard them at, at, in midnight when they were in there singing in the stocks in the middle of the prison, I don't think it sounded like a bunch of angels, just saying. But it didn't keep them from worshiping. Put worship in your car and blast it so loud that you don't have to hear yourself sing. <laughs> Let worship be the thing that motivates your life. You guys can put on the the track thing because then that'll help me really conclude. Um, Is is this good? Is this helping? Okay. Um, Here's what I'm going to do. Um, Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep going on this next week, okay? Um, Because I have a lot more notes. Uh, as, we, as we do this, I want to, uh, just so they have time to get ready, I want to dismiss uh, those that are getting baptized today uh, to go out and get ready, because we're going to go out and celebrate here as soon as we finish service. Um, so you've got like another half hour. It's great, okay? <laughs> this week, I think, what, what if our focus was simply just to walk away and say, Holy Spirit, would you flavor my life with the kingdom of heaven so that I can go and flavor those around me? Like just that, just that. I, I tell you what, that if you, um, if you put this to the test, worship, word, prayer, waiting in silence, it does work. Maybe, maybe you've never stepped into that kind of thing before. Maybe you've done one of those things. I would encourage you to press into that. Allow the Holy Spirit to do a fresh work in you this week, and it'll show. Does that mean that this will be a perfect week without any wrestling and pain from anything that has happened? Nope. But I do guarantee you that the Holy Spirit is with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. He's with you. If you're here this morning and as we close, I just want to give anybody here who, who maybe you don't have a, a relationship and know this Jesus that I'm talking about, the Jesus that we sing about, the Jesus who we celebrated in communion, 
what he did on the cross. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. You can have one. And it's not by being perfect, doing anything. It's just by simply receiving his love in your life. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to do something that is the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And we begin a relationship with him. Today, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. If you're in the room or online and you say, I don't have that relationship with Jesus. I, I, I don't have that. And I would, I would like that. We're all going to pray here together in just a second because we're a family and we do this together. But if you're here in this place and you're saying, you know what, I do not. I'm far from God. But I'm willing to come close and see what he's got. I invite you into that today. Let's all bow our heads, and I'm gonna lead us in a prayer, and we're all gonna pray this prayer together. It's very simple. It says, Jesus, I come to you, and I confess that I'm sinful, and that I've carried the weight and the shame of my sin. And I recognize today that all of that can be gone forgiven, cleansed in one moment. And I receive that today. I ask you to come into my heart, to wash me, cleanse away all my sins, and make me new. And I receive your forgiveness in my life today. And I make you the Lord of my life. And everybody said, amen. Can we put our hands together for those that prayed that today for the first time, whether you're in the room or you're online?